Ladies and gentlemen, saints and missionaries, welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. You know, when St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, he became a missionary to the nations. And we want to see hearts on fire for Jesus. We want to see Christians living missionary lifestyles. We want to see revival in the Catholic Church in America. I'm your host today, Aaron Richards, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Dan, how are you? Hello, Aaron. We're going to have some fun today, right? We are so excited. (laughs) Why don't we kick off with prayer today? Dan, would you open us? Oh, yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you that you are a God of family, Mm -hmm. that you have revealed yourself as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, that you have revealed yourself as a God that is oriented towards community and family. And we thank you for that, Lord. And so we pray that you would send an abundant amount of grace upon all the families that are listening today, all the listeners and their families, their children, their marriages. Lord, I pray that you would unleash from the heavens just an outpouring of grace upon families in the church today like never before. We pray for a restoration of holy families, a restoration of uh, fatherhood and motherhood uh, and and relationships. Amen. God, we love you, and we want to be like you. Uh, you show us that the image of relationship, the image that we're created to be in, is the image of you. So uh, let us live lives that are selfless and that are fully given. We pray your guidance on each one of us and blessings on our families in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What an exciting show we have for you today. Spring is in the air here in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if you're if you're listening to a rerun. Spring may not be in the air anymore, but uh, right now it is. I'm sitting in a blizzard right now. (laughs) Uh, We're we're switching things up today, and we're we're kind of excited to um to to give a new perspective on on some some good questions that we've received for uh, from. Many, many members of our uh, of our audience and um, people who who come to us regularly. Dan, you and I have been in youth ministry for uh, sixteen, fifteen, sixteen years professionally each, Indeed. and um, uh, we celebrated a couple of really cool events recently. So, as youth ministers, uh, I, I know I like to say that um, I, I had a I had well, both of us had a really beautiful experience of becoming fathers kind of in parallel as we entered into a role of spiritual fatherhood of high school students. And um, recently, you know, I look back fondly um, on the on the kids that came through our youth ministry program early in my post-high school years when I was uh, being a youth minister to kids who were 18 years old as a 19-year-old, and it was ridiculous and complicated and uh, full of lots of messiness and I look back now and see those relationships as some of the some of the ones that I'm most proud of. This past year, we were we were um, invited to celebrate uh, one of the first real youth ministry weddings that have come out of our um, old days in in high school youth ministry, and uh, it was really cool just to see how um, how our investment in uh, spiritual the spiritual maturity and the spiritual life of this young couple kind of blossomed into this beautiful thing that was such a testimony of the Christian community that we had established and worked for so hard at at, at St. Agatha and St. Andrew in our early years. And um, and just recently, last week, we also went and celebrated the ordination to the diaconate for, um, for two of the guys who have been with us from the beginning in our youth ministry programs and through Damascus and Catholic Youth Summer Camp. 
it's just so cool to see God's plan um, impacted in generations. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's been just absolutely amazing over the last few years to watch uh, so many of our young people get married to each other that like grew up in youth group together or yep. were missionaries together or were, and they're they're just finding um, a new purpose. Uh, I would say like a mission based uh, marriage, Amen. right? Where it's like we're getting married because we're evenly yoked and uh, and our hearts are oriented towards ushering in the kingdom of God, that we don't want to just be worldly marriages, but we want to have kingdom focused or kingdom Mm -hmm. building marriages. And then likewise, just watching our young people grow and graduate our youth ministry programs and either enter religious life and take final professions, which is nuts, or uh, be ordained to the priesthood. And then this week, watching two of our boys get ordained to the diaconate. It's just such a beautiful grace. I remember one of my favorite moments as a youth minister um, ever was, uh, it may have been a year ago, um, we had, so there's uh, a, a couple that was getting married and they were just on fire. They were missionaries with us at our, our summer camp uh, in the past and they were both in Aaron and I's youth group. Um, they had served on our core teams and they were getting married to each other. Um, and during their vows, the priest had invited them up. The priest who was celebrating the marriage <laughs> was also an alumni from our youth group and our summer camp. Uh, so you've got this priest who's celebrating and witnessing, I guess, the, the marriage between two of our youth group kids and, and our campers. And, and, and he was a, a part of our camp. And then the best man was a Franciscan friar who was also a staff member at our summer camp. Um, <laughs> and then the, the maid of honor was uh, someone who was in our youth group in the early years. And so it was just this like insane moment where I couldn't hold back the tears because I was watching, if you will, just the, this this grouping of people up there as the sacrament was taking place, the priest, the best man, the, 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 the maid of honor, and then the couple all, all being a, a fruit of our, our youth ministry, but also all the different vocations. Like there was yeah. the priesthood, there was the religious life, there was the, the married life, and then the maid of honor was still single. And it was just like, whoa, this is nuts. Like you just have this beautiful expression of uh, when we raise people in holiness, they they actually pursue God's plan for their life as opposed to our plan. You know, like yep. honestly, I probably would have like had other thoughts and ideas for those people. Like, and so, <laughs> but they discover God's plan. And so what we want to do on this show is actually take some of the questions we've received over the uh, the time and, and just throw out some questions about family life and raising children and just give our perspective, which will be fun. Yeah. So since we're talking about Hold vocations. The, I, the, okay, you got more? Major disclaimer first. So uh, we're talking about family. Family is the theme of today's event. And um, we haven't invited either of our wives to participate in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always or, a good idea. Or anyone beyond ourselves. Um, also, uh, another, I, I love to make this disclaimer as well, that, that Dan, you and I are both in our early 30s. Um, each of us have four kids, and, and we're, we're preaching to an audience of listeners who may have been at this a lot longer than we have. And um, I don't believe that to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> in 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 all of the best ways and uh i, I love to i love to give just such a, a the the beautiful little caveat that um what we share today we're sharing from our currently lived experience so uh we we can we can share certainly as as men who are in the process and um this is the I, i'm i'm just overjoyed to be able to enter into conversation today and to share kind of the the fruits that god's um, placed in our lives and the perspectives that we have totally knowing that 
our wives would probably have very different ones. And many of you listeners may also have very different ones as well. Absolutely. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Aaron and I are just people <laughs> that are trying to figure yeah. life out like you guys are. Absolutely. Um, no, that wasn't an apology. That was just a, a context. Yeah. How about that? And I think it's really neat. I mean, I've, I guess my... I love, I have loved being in youth ministry for yep. so long because we've seen middle schoolers, elementary school kids, high schoolers, young adults. We've just seen so many ages of adolescence. And so while we haven't really raised our own children through all these ages um, uh, of child rearing, we have child reared, <laughs> if yeah. that's a word, uh, so many, <laughs> and, and have watched so many parents and so many different techniques and so many uh, different ways of living family in, in the Catholic context. And guess what? There's no one right way. Uh, you know, like the, there's no perfect ideal, like you do this and you're going to be successful. And I think that's the cool thing that like, um, that God has fashioned so many ways, uh, the families have chosen to raise their children and it produces awesome fruit. All right. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back. EWTN, teaching the truth. I'm a cab driver and uh, I drive only at night. Many of my customers are single mothers, people with negative attitudes and, you know, rude and Some of them are just plain nasty people. Uh, And I just want to praise God for this radio station. And I want to use it as a tool to introduce Jesus Christ to those who may not know him or refuse to accept him. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. All people are called to communion with Christ in the church that he founded. People really gravitate to David Anders and his concern for the callers. Tom and I are both converts. We've walked that path and we try to walk it with the listeners at whatever stage of the journey they're on. It's EWTN's go-to source for non-Catholics, converts, and answer seekers. Call to Communion TV with Dr. David Anders. Sunday afternoon, 4 Eastern on EWTN Television. Once again, welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where we hear the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. This is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the global EWTN radio network. And once again, we're, we're addressing the topic of family today. And uh, we thought this would be a great opportunity to answer some of the questions that Dan and I often receive as professionals in the field of youth ministry and uh and and in camping and conference centers and um how do we uh answer parents and and families when they bring these kind of questions to us the first question today um comes from one of our listeners about uh fostering vocations in their child's life psalm 127 as you know of course says that our children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty man and we have a quiver full to launch into the world. And our, uh, our, our question is, is in regarding vocations. How can I foster vocations in my child's life to have the greatest kingdom impact? I don't know, Dan. Are you thinking about raising your children as an opportunity to fill seminaries and religious convents for the sake of kingdom impact? Um, I I mean, I'm just excited. My children are, um, 
rambunctious and have a lot of personality. And sometimes as a... Um, that as is a, true. <laughs> I can testify to that. And sometimes as a parent, you're, you're like, man, you know, there's other children at Mass that are so calm and quiet. And my kid seemingly is murdering my, their mm. sibling right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and uh, I'm just excited because you just look at them, even though they're young, and you say, wow, like, what does God want to do with this person? Right? Like, God has this big personality that he's created. How can I, as a parent, like direct that personality, direct that character and into um, what they will be as an adult, you know, like that God has brought this uh, untamed animal into the world, this untamed (laughs) lion into the world. And how can I make that lion someone who has dominion in the kingdom? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Just last weekend, uh, as Dan and I mentioned at at the beginning of the show, we had opportunity to celebrate the diaconate ordination for uh, four four guys here from Columbus, the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio, and two of them, um, Deacon Seth Keller and Deacon Michael Fulton, have been uh, with us as a part of our ministry from the time when they were super duper young. In fact, uh, it was it's such a blessing. I know I know that Deacon Mike and and Deacon Seth as well have both identified that it was at Catholic U Summer Camp where they heard um, maybe for the first time. Uh, but certainly in a clear way, God really calling them on the path of vocational discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's neat. Uh, so one, Aaron and I were really blessed when we were young and first started ministry. We had a mentor, um, Father Jeff Koning, who had mm-hmm. a, a vision for vocational discernment that I thought was uh, just, it, it really spoke to me and transformed me on how I raise my own children yep. and how we've raised children in ministry. And that's, um, his phrase was just seek holiness, that uh-huh. we have a universal call to holiness and we don't have a vocations crisis. We have a holiness crisis and we want to raise, what we want to do is we want to foster an environment of holiness, not necessarily a vocations environment. And if we can help our young people, uh, our children, and, yeah. and the children in our parishes to really seek holiness, seek God's will, seek uh, a life set apart from the rest of the world, uh, a life on the narrow path and not the wa- wide path that leads to destruction. Ultimately, when they find holiness, they will find their vocation, yeah. and they're going to find a vocation in the priesthood or the religious life or the married life, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Father Jeff, if you're listening, thank you for the seeds of wisdom that you planted in our lives. <laughs> we love you. Uh, but yeah, that's that's totally the reality. I mean, I, I look at the way that Monica and I are raising our kids, and um, one of our goals as we enter into daily life, as we enter into conversation, as we enter into daily prayer, uh, is to maintain um, the presence of priests and religious in our life in a way that's normal, and in a way that actually just builds up and encourages them, right? Exactly. That they're, that that when they look to the priests and the religious that that they experience in their life, it's not they're they're not seeing somebody who is um, different and apart from them or intimidating, uh, but they're seeing people who come over for dinner. They're seeing people who are a part of their daily conversation. Like they're they're seeing people who they want to be like when they grow up. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I think if you're trying to foster a vocation or or help have your children be open to vocations, um, normalizing the vocations are so important. Absolutely. And so taking like inviting seminarians and priests and deacons over for dinner. I know that we like to um, just every time every opportunity we get get our, our daughters around religious sisters and just a in normal conversation. And a lot of times I find that 
I have to be the facilitator of a normal conversation, mm-hmm. you know, because um, the sister may not know exactly how to uh, relate initially <laughs> to a, a child and the child may not know exactly how to relate to. And, and so like you're almost helping guide a normal conversation or facilitating that. And so that the kids have a, 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 a I only a, hang out with normal sisters. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I've never, I'm not suggesting <laughs> I've met a bunch of like that. No, <laughs> boy, that's called foot and mouth disease right there. No, the, but I think too, like, uh, just that, that culture of normalizing it. I remember I asked my son when he was little. No, I didn't ask him. I'm sorry. Um, someone else asked him, him if he wanted to be a priest when he grows up. And he's like, I don't want to be a priest because those clothes they wear a mask make them look chubby. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently the vestments, uh, he, he, oh, that's, that's his perspective. And if so, that is the biggest uh, issue that stands in <laughs> that, the way. <laughs> that is the biggest vocations crisis right now. Yeah. So so just normalizing it, right? Yeah. Like, and, and they love, I mean, the priests that we've introduced them to and that they hang out with like their friends, right? Like yeah. it was so amazing taking Giovanni, my son, to the ordination this week because Seth, who was being ordained to the diaconate was is one of giovanni's like uh superstars like he's a superhero like and seth always wore a shirt with like a superman logo and so they call him super seth and he still wears it under his cassock I <laughs> so i was telling i was telling the kids i was like well seth's gonna like get this ontological mark on his soul this indelible mark that will be there for like all of eternity as deacon and uh and, and i was like this is like a supernatural reality that's happening in his life and uh so i was like he really is super seth now and he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to call him super duper Seth. Now. <laughs> I was like, well, as long as you call him Deacon super duper Seth, that's okay. <laughs> that's great. I, you know, even as we're, as we are like defining a context for how our kids think about their futures too, I think that our words as parents, as, as grandparents, as role models in the lives of young people can have such a great effect. Um, Monica, actually, my wife, Monica corrects me all the time and helps, helps me to grow in this. You know, how many times do we default when like dreaming for our kids' lives that, you know, someday when you grow up and get married, someday when you have Mm -hmm. kids for yourself, I mean, that's just like the, that's, that's the typical cultural conversation with us, um, uh, you know, as, as Americans. And and I think that oftentimes I'll be leading into a discussion with my kids or something. I'll, I'll make a comment like that. And Monica will chime in or be a sister or be a priest, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's just good that we, uh, we as parents, we as leaders, we as role models can actually um, normalize and, and enter into the, the conversation and the process of actually making vocations uh, just a part of our normal conversation, right? Yeah, like even pointing out what the priest or the religious sister is doing in a level in which your children can understand it. And so like, hey, like son, you're really good at speaking in front of others. Look how father's speaking in yeah. front of others. Or like, you really, like, you really love teaching people about Jesus. Look how sister's teaching people about Jesus, right? Like, and, and connecting it to their gifts and their talents or their interests and like, um, and helping them see how the religious vocations are actually accomplishing that they're just not people who only do mass or only, like only pray, you know, but like yeah. helping co- contextualize their gifts and their talents with those vocations. Yeah. And I think the, the other neat thing is like helping them understand the supernatural realities that are going on as opposed to the natural realities that they see. So uh-huh. like, you know, it's not, it's not that father celebrates mass. It's the father is bringing Jesus Christ to thousands of people every year, like yeah. helping them understand the mission oriented. And and that was a, like, we started talking about like seek holiness, but I think it's not only teaching our kids to seek holiness because when they seek holiness, they're going to discover a vocation. Um, but they're all, it's also seek mission. Yep. And, 
no matter what, it's not, should I serve the Lord or should I not serve the Lord? Or should I live a life of ministry or should I not live a life of ministry? Every single child is called to be raised to serve the Lord and live a life of ministry, Mm -hmm. right? Now the question is, okay, if you're called to live a life of ministry, how are you going to do that? Are you going to do that as a priest, as a religious, as a lay person, as a a business? Like what mode of full-time ministry are you going to assume when you grow up? Yeah. I think it's funny, you know, um, most of our responses so far to this question have been kind of geared toward an audience where we're assuming that you would actually want your kids to be pursuing a vocation mm. <laughs> to consecrate a life within the church. Um, and uh, certainly I know when going back to Father Jeff and with the uh, with the vocations office, even here in our in our own local diocese, that a lot of the conversation that we've had in the past has been, how can I, as a parent, enter into the renewal of my own mind so that I can ask Jesus to, um, you know, break me out of maybe the expectations that I've had so that I can, I can place my kids on, on the altar so that Mm -hmm. I can give my kids back to the Lord so that he can do what his plan and what his desire is for their lives. Yeah. I love that. That's a great point. And I I think that's hard. And I think that if that listeners, if that is speaking to your heart, maybe right now you can just, um, lay your children's future on the altar. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would allow all of us to be um, like an Abraham that places our child Isaac on the altar uh, as an offering to you Mm -hmm. to do whatever you want, that we would abandon ourselves uh, to you and to your will. And, um, you know, I think that that idea of placing our children on the altar goes both ways, right? Like, that maybe sometimes I want my kids so bad <laughs> to be a priest or religious that, uh, that, that that's actually not healthy. Like yeah. we want our children to discover God's dream for their life um, as opposed to our dream for their life. Yep. And, um, and so being able to place that, their vocation on the altar that I don't have to shove the concept of the priesthood down my child's throat and I don't have to shove religious de- life down their throat. Like I just want to shove holiness. Like I want, I want to not shove, I want to expose them, <laughs> uh, oh, take it, love Jesus or die. No, um, but I want to expose them to holiness and mission and allow Jesus to invite them into a vocation Amen. because that's what vocation is. And, um, and I think the, you know, the, the best thing is when I live holiness in my vocation and when I live mission in my vocation, they see that vocation is oriented towards holiness and mission. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, marriage is amazing and mm-hmm. we need so, so, so many more awesome, holy Catholic marriages that are mission oriented. And so, um, if I'm living marriage and it's not mission oriented, I've missed the mark and I'm not witnessing honestly to the vocation of marriage. Yeah. Um, so what, Aaron, could you say just, cause I think this is really important to foster a vocation in a young person's life, helping prepare them for mission when they grow up. What are you mm-hmm. doing to kind of help prepare your children for mission? <laughs> well, we get, we get a, a little special opportunity because, uh, you know, two years ago when Monica and I, we were in a process of discernment that probably not many of our listeners had the opportunity to do. We were, we were, we were discerning whether we wanted to leave our beautiful home in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and actually move our family up to Damascus Catholic Mission Campus to to enter into kind of a family missionary lifestyle. And ultimately, the Lord pushed us in that direction, that um, we had an awesome school that we were super happy with. We, had, we were in close proximity to uh, my lovely parents-in-law, who offered free and regularly available childcare <laughs> yeah. in a lovely environment. And, um, 
we had to enter into that process of of realizing that okay, if if we're going to answer God's call to holiness and mission in our lives, we're not going to do it solo. Um, you know, holiness and pursuit of God's call on my life as a father or Monica's life as a mother isn't going to be something that that we uh, do by ourselves and then try to bring our family, you know, along for the ride. But this is like. I, I want to challenge you, our listeners, to, to look at your family's mission as a family mission and not as um, not as my mission, not as my wife's mission, mm-hmm. um, or not even as my kid's mission. But how is God calling us to be a missionary family? Yeah, I love that. I like to say that uh, it's healthy to find a family apostolate, yeah. that there's something you do it together as a family that is the missionary activity of the church. And maybe, you know, I've seen some beautiful families make like the pro-life movement, their family yep. apostolate. Yep. And that's formed. I've seen kids come out of like very pro-life apostolate families and their kids are now like living as missionaries for the pro-life movement or like lawyers uh, that are defending pro-life law. It's just amazing. These families have produced incredible children yeah. because of their apostolate or like um, having like uh, an apostolate in service to the poor and mm-hmm. like being family oriented towards like dad and mom are going to serve the poor and we're going to go along and serve the poor with them. And like uh, that, that fosters a spirit of, uh, of generosity in children and a spirit of simplicity in children. And, and just how the young, like young people want to see their parents, uh, live, uh, a life of mission and then welcome them into it. Right. Yep. And so, so try to ask yourselves, like I, I may have a particular mission. How can I welcome my children into that mission? And, uh-huh. and, uh, or, or just a scatter. Like, I know I like to try to expose my kids to different types. So, like, of course, our mission is ministry, youth ministry especially. And so our kids are always around our camp. They're around our youth ministry. They're around those who serve with us. But but then trying to introduce them to ministry to the poor and introduce them to ministry um, uh, in, in, uh, in the parish, introduce them to ministry of, like, service uh, and, and hospitality and stuff like that. It's really good and healthy just to yeah. kind of give them a smorgasbord of opportunity. I was I was given a teaching um a, f- a few months ago about raising supernatural families, right? And one of the questions I asked the parents, I was like, "How many of you uh I, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think back to some of the most impactful spiritual experiences that you've had in as as an adult." And uh and listeners, I'll invite you to to think, don't close your eyes if you're driving, to Do think it. of some of the most p- <laughs> impactful spiritual experiences that you've had as an adult in your adult life. And then the follow-up question I asked was, okay, so how many of those involved your kids, mm. right? And um, I know for me, like one of the most impactful spiritual experiences that I've had year after year has been my mission work in in Appalachia and in service to the poor. Mm-hmm. And up until two years ago, I had never involved any of my family in that, right? Yeah. So it was, it, my my trips to uh, to Cranks Creek, Kentucky were just something that dad did when he left home for a week, right? Yeah. And it wasn't something that actually involved the mission and the life of my family. So um, praise the Lord now that Leah is 10 years old. I've I've brought her down to Cranks for the last two years. And now Monica and I have worked together to actually integrate that mission into the prayer of our family for mm-hmm. that week so that our family is actually together on mission, whether we're there or whether we're home, supporting each other. Yeah. 
We've got lots of questions today. Yeah, I no, want to make we, sure we we'll don't spend on. too much time on this one, but well, it, it'll lead into I, our into And I think the following. reason this is so important is because marriage and holy orders uh, are are the two sacraments of mission. Yeah. That's the name of them in the church. So the sacraments of mission. And so it's not, if we want to raise our children for a vocation, it's it has to be oriented toward, towards raising missionary disciples Amen. with our children. Before we, Which, before we escape the conversation of vocations, um, yeah. parents who may be looking for resources about how you can be a better parent in the process of raising a child who's discerning. I just want to throw this resource out there because I know we have it. Our vocations website at our own Diocese of Columbus, www.seekholiness.com, has an awesome section of resources for parents. So as we move into our next question, I just want to throw that out there. Seekholiness.com. Look at all the parent resources we've got there about how to properly lead and discern and even go through your own process. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's let's switch to this topic. If if they're going to hear their vocational call, they have to know how to hear the person who calls them. <laughs> and yes, so sir. this is a great question. What are some ideas for family prayer? How can I? How can we foster prayer in the lives of our children? Um, and that ultimately is going to help them in their vocation as well. Why yeah, don't you as, start? As we were talking about, um, as we were talking about a life on mission and a family on mission. Uh, I have a great encouragement for families to actually, as you're seeking that family apostolate, actually let that inform the way that your family prays. Yes. So I love that. So for example, um, and we, we, we don't do this on a daily basis anymore, but when we first moved to, to Damascus, uh, we, Monica and I wanted to so intentionally, um, direct our kids to realizing that one of our primary missions as a family was in service of our missionary body at Damascus. Yep. So uh, I, I didn't want my kids to think that, oh my gosh, all this time that dad's spending or that mom's spending with these missionaries is now like pulling me away from our family, right? And uh, so every night when we prayed, every night we just, we, you know, we, we will traditionally typically go around and we'll share our petitions for that night. And we just added a new descriptor to our petitions each night. So in addition to what has God placed on your heart that you want to pray for, we also, for, I don't know, probably six months, eight months, a year, um, we went through the process of saying, what missionary is God calling you uniquely to partner with in prayer tonight? So we we saw the, the missionary body of Damascus as a particular call that God had placed on our family's apostolate. And because of that, we just oriented our family's prayer around it, right? I love that. Yeah, we do the same exact thing. And it's like we, one of the big things on my heart has been I, I've got such a Franciscan spirituality, but I haven't been called to a Franciscan apostolate as, uh, necessarily. And um, so we've made intercession for the poor and the suffering a key pillar mm-hmm. for us because I really we wanted to um, we want to expose our children to the mission of poverty and, and the service of the poor. And so being able to make that a course uh Prayer and, and petition and intercession has has actually enhanced our children's desire to serve the poor, which has been really neat to watch. Um, I remember when I was younger, I had I was we we were getting married. At, well, I was married. We were having children, and I we were trying to have family prayer, but like my kids were like newborn and like two years old. And I was like, "What do I do? Like, how do I do it?" And I asked a mentor of mine, like, well, "What do we, what should we do for family prayer?" Because I don't want to get this wrong. And <laughs> and uh, 
And he said, you know, it doesn't matter so much what you do, just that you do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing is that um, <laughs> you you just need to pray as a family as like every night. And yeah. uh, it's not there's not a huge formula that has to be had. Um, we I want to give some ideas. I we've got, I'm sure we can share a lot of different ideas. But the most important thing is that you do it, right? Yeah. That, like you just say, this is what we're going to do every day, even if it's five minutes, right? Like, so in the absence of like the perfect, cause you may be like, well, we're going to pray a rosary every single night. And then in the absence of the perfect, like if you can't do that every night, just do it. Like mm-hmm. just get five minutes in of petitions before bed or whatever it is. Do you want to throw out some ideas back Absolutely. and forth? That'll be fun. What yeah. do you guys like? Yeah, so here's, some... here's the, uh, th- I'm so proud of, this is like my, my greatest success as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> if you do say so yourself. <laughs> no, so uh, my kids, um, I, I love the routine of, of prayer in my mornings, right? And as a parent, particularly of a one-year-old that has been utterly decimated in the last year. Why? I don't understand. <laughs> I've never experienced that. <laughs> yeah. I was sharing with Monica last night. I think the last month I've been the most tired that I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. And... Um, so when my, clock, my when my when my alarm goes off in the morning, um, as I'm sure this is an experience that many parents have, like my kids will already be up and chipper and ready for the day, and they'll be already eating breakfast or uh, playing video games or reading a book, right? And um, we made such a simple change that has just totally reformatted the way that we that w- the way that we start our days as a family. So um, at the beginning of every day, when I get up to do my prayer in the morning. I will now wake up my two school-age children, Leah and Diggory, and our expectation is just every day we're going to start our day with five minutes of reading scripture. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were already up. They're already seeking something actively to do. And rather than me sitting in my chair trying to read read the Lord's Word and pray, and them sitting in the chairs beside me playing a video game or um, reading, you know, a book from school— uh, I still want to give them opportunity to do that, but now we've just got something else to do first. So the first thing that we do every morning as a family, even at eight years old and 10 years old, is we start with reading scripture. Yeah. And uh, it's hilarious. My my son Diggory, actually, he is, he's got this, um, this internal like obsession with audio books. <laughs> I, I never experienced that as a child. I don't know if anybody else does, but <laughs> he'll sit with an audiobook and listen to it for hours and hours and hours um, just because he loves to be read to. And uh, one of the things that we've done is I, I pulled up my phone the other day and I was like, you know what? My Bible app on my phone will actually read scripture. <laughs> so I give him headphones and he'll plug in headphones and he'll listen to the Bible read for hours. That's perfect because like, <laughs> there's all these battle stories. I could just picture Diggory like loving the Old Testament like, yes, this yeah. is awesome. But it, 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 honestly, at eight years old, just be, just by, by simply changing one, um, w- one bit of perspective, one simple suggestion six months ago or a year ago has actually, Diggory's probably read more of scripture than I have. Like he reads scripture more consistently than I do. Because it's now the way that his life is oriented, and praise the Lord for that. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, I think, and that's the beautiful thing about the church—they provide us with so many things, right? Like, uh, the, there's 
like what I like to do with family prayer is really change it up um, so that it doesn't become uh, robotic. Yeah. And so we'll do, uh, we'll almost have like, and sometimes I'll announce on Sunday, I'll announce like this week we're doing like uh, Bible week or yeah. we're doing like, no, you uh, this with me last like week. prophetic awesome. week. And like, so we'll have different uh, series that we go through, if you will, based on the week. And so, and, and I love the morning. I think it's your bookends, right? Are the yep. most important for family prayer. So like you have to have some plan in the morning before the day gets started. And like we do a morning consecration and then we'll add whatever the kids are struggling with. I like to add a scripture verse that kind of will help them in that. So like um, if they're struggling with patience and kindness, like love is patient, love is kind. So we'll end our consecration with that. Or like um, they were struggling with like confidence at one point. So we were doing like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and they're memorizing scripture. They're also, um, but then like, and and then in the evenings, what we would do is like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to read through the Bible this week and do a Bible story that night. Or we we would do um, divine mercy chaplet week. And then each night would be a different uh, person. uh, I mean, a different like, group of people that we'd offer the Divine yep, Mercy yep, Chapel yep. for, or like a prophetic night. Like my, my favorite is some nights we'll just say, um, okay, we're just going to pray over uh, our daughter, Gemma, tonight. <laughs> and so like everyone in the family will lay hands on Gemma and every person go around and just intercede for Gemma or, okay, like, and so we, the whole week, we'd pick a different person and pray over that person or, or we'll do a decade of the rosary. Okay, who wants to pick the decade of the rosary? You know, stuff like that. So uh, Diggory is celebrating his first communion on May 18th at St. John Newman. And I'm, uh, I'm so excited for that. And as we're, we're about halfway through now, and it's been going awesome every night for our family's prayer for the entire 15 days leading up to Diggory's first communion, we have actually dedicated our entire prayer for words that Jesus wants to speak about Diggory's first communion mm. to him. So at the end of 15, 18 days of preparation for First Communion. Diggory is going to have like, uh, you know, 18 days of the the four members of our family who are actively praying and interceding and listening for God's voice for him about mm-hmm. this particular moment in his life. It's just been awesome to see that. The other kids are getting jealous now, so we're going to have to do something exciting for them after that. Yeah. And I love like, like we have a treasure chest of like memorized prayers, like novenas, chaplets, yep. like Absolutely. rosary. But also kids have a unique ability um, to be receptive to uh, unmemorized prayers, if you will, like uh, the creative prayers of the spirit where you just give them a prompting. So like sometimes the only prompting I'll say is, okay, kids, we're going to be quiet for two minutes and we're going to ask Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And then they ask Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And then they each share Mm -hmm. what Jesus is saying to them. And then sometimes that will become like a, a discussion of like, well, why do you think Jesus said that? Why don't you ask Jesus right now, Jesus, why did you say that to me? And then they ask Jesus, why did you, why did you say that? And then they share that. And it was neat. We, we've been doing this for a while. And sometimes it's that, or maybe some nights we'll say, all right, Jesus, give us an image. Just paint a picture in our mind and tell us why you're giving us that picture. And and kids have such an ability to tap into the creative <laughs> uh, aspects of the Holy Spirit that they'll get a picture right away and they'll be able to ask Jesus, why did you share that picture? And it was really neat. We were praying with um, my mother-in-law one night who... Uh, is it's just wonderful, but she's not like uh, like hardcore charismatic, you know. And um, the she we the question I asked the the kids and and those praying with us, so my mother in law as well. I said, well, uh, what do you want to Jesus? What do you want to say to me? And my mother in law initially said, well, uh, I don't hear Jesus saying anything. And um, and my son is just like, oh, that's okay, Grandma. Like, just ask Jesus the question again. And then, and he like helped guide her through how to hear God's voice and prayer, which was, was just so neat. And then, 
over the year, um, she's become so much more confident in yeah. sharing with our family. And, and almost I've noticed in her life, she's become quicker to hear God yeah. speak to her because we've normalized it in her life. Yeah. I, I, that, that can be so intimidating. I imagine there are some of you right now who might be hearing that thinking, oh my gosh, of course these guys do that because they're professionals, right? Um, you have permission as parents, as grandparents, to actually raise kids who are going to have a higher level of spiritual anointing than you do. Yes. In amen. fact, that should be our goal, right? Yep. That our kids actually come to excel and surpass us in their pursuit of holiness. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so don't ever be intimidated by the fact that man, I might be asking my kids to enter into a process in prayer that actually, you know, is beyond what I think I'm capable of yeah. or beyond what my experience has been. I think, too, that just for the high schoolers, I think there's a, um, like, as, as kids get older, it may feel harder to pray with the kids. Yeah. And um, I would just encourage you to uh, to keep providing a forum where you ask them, like, what 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 would you like to do in prayer? Like, how, how can we make our family prayer time as fruitful for you as possible yep. and, and give them a little bit more leadership, a little bit more authority um, in the prayer time so that you get their buy-in. Yep. Uh, I find that while a lot of families have a hard time, it's easy. It seems like a lot of families have an easier time having family prayer when the kids are younger and a harder time when they're older. And I think the way you preserve that is by just start, start giving your children more spiritual leadership of the family where, um, you know, like, maybe a sign this week, John, you're in charge of family prayer. Mm, so that's a great whatever you would like to do this week, like that's the course we're at. So, and give them options. Like we'll do the chapel by mercy, the rosary scripture. Like, um, we can, we can write prayers to the poor, whatever it is that you want, but you're in charge of family prayer this week. That way they actually have real leadership over this and you're teaching them how to someday have leadership over their family or over their family of God, if they're called a religious life or priesthood. And so, so that they get used <laughs> to leading people in prayer. Yeah. Um, um, and it becomes normal in their life. And Amen. Uh, yeah. Yep. Awesome. Why That's we, great. Should we take a short break? Let's do it. All right. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I come from the other side of the tracks. See? <laughs> My uncle used to have slot machines. <laughs> Put one nickel in and it's empty. And I brought him home in a bag. And my mother looked at me. Where did you get all that money? I said, I won him. You didn't win him. He fixed the machine. I didn't care if he fixed the machine or not. No? EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. EWTN is now on Twitter. Get short, timely messages from EWTN on your computer or cell phone. It's easy to stay up to date on a wide variety of topics. Pro-life news, Vatican announcements, catechesis, apologetics, the latest EWTN programming, and more. You can link to EWTN on Twitter from our homepage or go to twitter.com slash EWTN. At work, at home, at school, and on the road. Stay connected to your world with EWTN's Twitter page. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, a show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that live lives of extraordinary mission. Yes. So my name is Dan Demite. I'm joined here with Aaron Richards. Hey, and we've everybody. been having a lot of fun doing some Q&A today on uh, family. And <laughs> we, how never, to... we never clapped for anybody today. Hey! 
clap for Jesus Christ. We worship you. We adore you, Jesus. You are amazing. I pray that Jesus would be the Lord of your family and uh, that he would be the Lord of your heart. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're going to close today with one last question, and I just think it's awesome. I think it's a really neat question. Um that every single parent uh, maybe has hasn't asked but has to answer, um, yep. and that's how do I make sure my child excels in in our parish uh, programs, whether that's youth ministry or or parish school of religion. Yeah. Um, how do we make sure that our children excel in our parish programs? Yeah, you know when we. Uh in in kind of defining our programs that we offer through Catholic Youth Summer Camp in Damascus, we we had to answer this on an organizational level really intentionally because mm-hmm. our goal as an organization is to see um, is to see parishes and families and and schools transformed right to bring revival to parishes and and schools and families and uh, we get this question a hundred times a year where where some kid some uh, some family will have a transformational experience through this awesome program at, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp or on one of our retreats, but, and then they'll go back to their parish and and some degree of, of disappointment will set in, right? Where they're asking themselves, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have our awesome missionaries up on the altar leading our masses. I don't have um, the, the amazing music or, or, or whatever the case may be. And not to say at all ever that our parishes are are presenting the gospel poorly, mm-hmm. but, but it's a process of actually asking ourselves, like, how can I create a level of ownership and expectation in, in my parish life so that my kids can actually be formed and fed, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm certain that you haven't as an adult, and I haven't as an adult, walked away from every parish liturgy that I've ever been a part of saying, oh man, like that was, that was so spiritually edifying, Right. But there's a process where we enter into maturity, where we realize that um, I need to, as an adult, have ownership of my own relationship with Jesus to the point where I can participate in my parish and actually be fed, right? Where I can actually participate in my in my in my parish life and my experience of liturgy, and walk away and have my heart be edified. Uh, and this is this is such a good thing that we need to model for our kids. Yeah. So, what have you done as a um, in in the process of accomplishing that? Yeah. The so the the what we do with our with our kids is is we will actually um, from an early age engage them in the process of of like claiming responsibility for their participation in liturgy. Okay. Like, when is the last time that I actually set the expectation for my kids for my kids that I want them to actively engage in worship at our parish liturgies? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think sometimes, you know, even you and I can can walk into a to a parish experience, and when, you know, if there's a song that doesn't necessarily appeal to our particular styling preferences, that I'll roll my eyes and determine that I'm not going to participate or sing in that time, right? Yeah. But no, we begin the conversation on our way to mass, and we actually we we talk about like what does participation in liturgy mean? What does participation in music mean? What does it mean to give our hearts to our songs today? Um, we at St. John Newman, we've got a great incentive because we have donuts after mass at 11 o'clock on glory, Sundays. Right? Glory, glory. <laughs> so how do you earn a donut is you pray hard, right? I I, that works with high schoolers as well, right? Earning a donut. It like, should. Absolutely. This isn't just like two-year-olds. But, this is everyone. Oh, my gosh. That's how my wife motivates me. <laughs> if you pray hard at mass today, Dan, I'll get you a donut. Yes, yes, I will. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I mean, that, is that bribery? 
Maybe it is. But <laughs> but here's the deal. If I can bribe my kids to the point where they establish a habit of regular worship in liturgy, <laughs> like, you know, five years from now, uh, 10 years from now, when they leave my home, they're going to be, you know, a little less healthy because they ate donuts so much. But they're also going to have a regular habit of prayer. Yeah, where they're actually invest, and that that's just in our daily, in our in our weekly liturgies at Mass. I think the same thing goes in our youth ministry programs and in our PSR programs. You know, as as a youth minister for for years, um, the biggest indicator for me as to the effective direction that our youth program was supposed to be going was I would look at the fruit that it was that it was bearing in the lives of the kids that were experiencing it. Right. So if a high school student ever came to me and expressed a desire to be placed in a role of leadership, you can sure as heck bet that that was going to be the direction that we were going to be pivoting our program, right? Yeah. So if, if parents, if, if you are experiencing um, in any way with your own children that I don't want to be at youth group, I don't want to be engaged in, in our PSR program and our CCD program, like I, I don't like being at mass um, that this is boring, right? You can you can give them Dan's tagline that uh, mass isn't boring, you're boring. <laughs> smack them. No, don't do that. Um, but actually charge them with mission that if, if you want to invest in this program, just like we were speaking about in family prayer, like if you want this to be something that builds you up, then you've got to take some responsibility in actually making it what you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And just to normalize that, like, it's not like our kids wake up on Sunday mornings and they're like, yay, we got to go to mass, no, right? Like, not at all. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's not like we've fought, but it's about the, the constant presence in their life. And I love your advice of teaching them to sing. Like, that's so important to engage in liturgy. Uh, so try to make it as engaging as possible. We try to sit up front so that they can see. Yep. Like, if you're towards the back or even in the middle, like, try to uh, participate in a mass from like a little kid's perspective. All you see is, butts right like you don't want to go to to look at butts for an hour like that's, that's obscene like, and so you have to like be up front so they can actually see the altar servers see the priest like preparing the like all of the the sacramentality of the church help open their eyes to that like help them understand why is there why are there stained glass windows what do these represent why is there candles why is there incense like all of that mm-hmm. so they see it from a different perspective um when they get older teaching young people especially middle schoolers and high schoolers about the parts of the mass is so valuable, right? Like maybe you don't know, um, if you haven't read uh, like Scott Hahn's Lamb's Supper, it's great because there's sections in Lamb's Supper that just kind of breaks down all the different parts of the Mass. So you can actually welcome your children and uh, talk about a different part of the Mass so mm-hmm. that they know well, what's happening at the offertory. How should I be praying during the offertory? How should I be praying during the penitential rite? How should I be praying during the epiclesis? Like there's all these different aspects of the liturgy that you can draw them into yeah. if you do your work. I remember, uh, too, and we should have brought this up on family prayer. Well, I remember when I was a kid, my um, my dad and I love my dad so much. He taught me so much natural virtue, um, but he never sang at church. And, and, and as a little kid that had a big impact on me, I was like, mm-hmm. dad doesn't look like he wants to be here. And, um, fathers, your leadership is so important. Um, and family prayer, your leadership is critical. And at mass, your leadership is critical. And so often your leadership is just witness. Like yeah. if you lead prayer in your family and if you, uh, pray at mass and if you're involved in your parish community statistically your children are 
going to remain Catholic. It's almost like the statistics are insane at how likely that when a father is engaged in the spiritual life, how likely their children are to remain engaged in the spiritual mm-hmm. life. So you don't have to force things upon them. You just have to practice it and believe it and be authentic. And your kids will see that. Yeah. I also just, how do you engage them, your children in youth ministry or PSR? A lot of times what I would get with kids like that would come to youth group a lot, they'd be like, well, I've, I've heard this talk before. I've heard this message before. And I'm like, I know you have. And now it's time for you to transition from being a consumer to being an investor. That it's time that you no longer just become a consumer of Catholic products, but now you're a leader in the church. And um, to help your children see that, that like if they don't like youth group, well, then ask them, well, what are you going to do to make youth group better? And Absolutely. if they don't like PSR, then what are you going to do to make it better? And I think that is the real question. If you want to raise missionary disciples, young people who are on fire for transforming culture and tr- mm-hmm. transforming the church, call them to leadership. I know when I was a, a sophomore in high school, I went to our pastor and said, listen, I want to see uh, more vibrant music. And I probably was off. I was definitely off based on what the liturgy should look like. Um, <laughs> I but, want an electric guitar. <laughs> but my mom told me, listen, if you want to see something different, yeah. then then meet with the pastor and talk about it. And we started uh, more more youth initiatives. Uh, the parish had started like youth lecturing and youth, um, youth singing, youth worship, all of that, just because I took initiative as a young person. Mm-hmm. And I know that my mom supporting me and challenging me to be a leader when I didn't like things um, actually made me probably are some of the key roots that made me a lifelong missionary in the church. You know, Amen. that's a good word. Uh, as as we wrap up today, I want to I want to move us into uh, to prayer as a family. Dan, when you and I were in college, I remember um, expressing a desire that each of us were um, were involved in community with St. Paul's Outreach. And had such a such a high value placed on our times of evening prayer and and worship together as a community. I remember having a conversation where you, who do not still still do not play guitar, um, nope. emphasized <laughs> that you wanted to learn guitar so that you could lead your family in in evening prayer every night. Right, and it just as physically impossible for a tone deaf person to play guitar. <laughs> so, not to throw Dan under the bus, but mm, here's the deal. Uh, I, I want to start prayer today as, as we close out this show um, to uh, speak against the the uh, the false expectations that we've set for ourselves, and to and to offer encouragement that. Even if, even if maybe your experience of daily ma- or uh, Sunday mass, your experience of of prayer in your family, even your experience of of openness to vocations is something that that necessarily hasn't been shared by what we've spoken today. That there's there's no um, there's no shame in what you've done in your family, and there's there's no way that God wants you to bear that burden of the fact that things haven't gone the way I had intentioned. Oh yeah. Definitely. We're going to close in prayer. And I just want to, um, yeah, well, let's just ask the Father, who is the, the Father of all families, uh, to anoint us in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good and gracious God, we ask that you would father all parents, and that you would father them in their in their parenthood, that you would father fathers, that you would father mothers, that, um, that you would make our parents sons and daughters mm-hmm. of you before they were fathers and mothers. You'd allow them to find their love, their intimacy, their consolation in you as their dad. And Lord, I just pray that you would send special blessing and special graces upon our families. We pray for a supernatural 
outpouring of signs and wonders to fall upon families, that um, that healing would take place in homes, that reconciliation would take place in homes and ways that the broken families would be restored right now in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. We pray for all families whose children have left the faith. Jesus Christ, that we know that you are the Lord of those children and that you desire their salvation more than we could ever. And so we just pray that you would bring them home to the church and home to your uh, fatherhood. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your you're listening once again to Beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN and carried across the EWTN Global Radio Network. You can check out our podcast wherever podcasts are found, Beyond Damascus. And you can, of course, check out St. Gabriel Radio at www.stgabrielradio.com. <laughs>